Hey Sam. Yeah, man. How was the Super Bowl? Super Bowl was long. Is how it the was... Super Bowl was. But uh, it was sloppily played yeah. on a field that turned out to be a little bit like ice. Um, Cam Newton had a bad day. Yeah. Did you see that? It seemed like it was a bad week for San Francisco. Like it was like that they didn't do a very good job. That was sort of the the perception. Well, the the complaints were um, at least the ones that I heard. Um, were that the field, the stadium is a legitimate 45 miles from San Francisco. It, it would be like, I mean, Topeka is 45 miles yeah. from downtown Kansas City, right? Or maybe Lawrence is. Yeah. Either way, it, it's a haul. And, and traffic in the Bay Area is much different than traffic here in Kansas City. And I think that's what a lot of people were complaining about, just kind of the long bus rides. Other, other than that... Um, you know, and, and look, like I want to be, I didn't really care about the bus rides. The bus rides are fine. You can read stuff on your phone. You can talk to people, whatever. But um, the other thing, there was like a little bit of a, and this will happen every year at the Super Bowl, but like a, you know, American, you know, gluttony, like overtake city. So there's a lot of stories about how San Francisco is trying to kick all the homeless people out of, you know, kind of the Super Bowl area, which if they were legitimately trying to do that, they did a really bad job because <laughs> there were homeless people <laughs> everywhere, laughing about that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you okay. know, and, uh, and so I don't know, it was fine. It was fine. I mean, I, you know, I don't, I didn't have a strong feeling about it one way or the other. Okay. Should we talk about the Royals? I guess we should. Okay. Uh, the baseball team. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, okay. this is, this is Rustin Dodd and you're listening to the sports beat KC Sam Mellinger is back from the Super Bowl. Hello. He's back in the office, and Chris Pickett, producer, editor, uh, is on the board. Um, Hello. Ones and twos. So this is going to be our, our big blowout Royals spring training preview podcast. Um, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so if, if anything goes wrong or, or anything happens in the next three to four days, we may not be talking ab- or about that specifically. So we'll hope nothing happens from now to early next week but that's all we can do is hope but yeah but i'll be down in surprise starting on monday february 15th um so sam let's i guess let's get to it yeah um i don't know we've been kind of rolling it out all week uh this week kind of the the bigger storylines heading into spring training and one interesting thing about the royals is that we've talked about this but there's just like not a lot of drama right uh, around this team i mean there's uh, not a lot of intrigue about who's going to be on the 25-man roster uh-huh. there's not a lot of questions about you know what the team is going to look like on opening day against the Mets but I guess there are two questions and that would be uh second base and right field uh-huh. um so let's start at second base um the Royals say that Omar Infante is going to get a look um he's got two years left on his deal plus a team option um how do you how do you handicap this race between Infante and Christian Cologne and, um, you know, Raul Mondesi maybe down the road uh, as a possible third option? Yeah, I mean, so like with the regular caveat about, um, you know, major injury or, um, you know, Omar Infante needing his toward all shots, you know, in March instead of during the season, um, you know, as long as he is like sort of healthy at least. Um, I think it's Omar Infante's job on opening day. Um, I, I just think they they want to give him every chance. And, you know, if you listen, you know, it's subtle and it's between the lines and stuff like that. But if you listen to the way they talk about Omar Infante, they talk about him 
the way that they would talk about their starting second baseman. And, you know, look, behind the scenes, they're, they're not fooled. Like, behind the scenes, they would love to get rid of him because um, yeah. that's a terrible contract and he's not a good player. Um, but if that shoulder, you know, gets back a little bit, he, he can be a placeholder at least. And, um, look, I mean, like, the, the Royals are spending more than they ever have and all that stuff, but that's still a lot of money to be paying a player not to play. So I, I guess what I'm saying is I think it's Omar Infante's job to lose. And I expect he will lose it at some point, but I, I think they want to go through that process. Yeah, I mean, he did have um, surgery to remove some bone chips yeah. at the beginning of the offseason. I, I, you wonder how much is his decline as a player due to his body breaking down or, you know, can he get healthy enough to the point where he could get back to – you know, a replacement level hitter or, you know, a, a serviceable hitter. So I, 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 the problem is every free agent contract, and that goes for uh, Ian Kennedy, um, it goes for Alex Gordon. Um, you know, every team that signs a free agent, you know, for, for a certain amount of money, they usually are expecting that last year of that contract and maybe the last two years of that contract to not be worth the money. Um, but you sort of, that's the price of getting the front end, you know, because when you're signing a free agent, it's because you have a need and you need to plug a hole right now. And that's what the Royals were doing with Omar Infante because, uh, you know, Christian Colon wasn't ready. They just, you know, for a long time, they just didn't have um, any second baseman. So now we're getting to the point in Omar Infante's contract where these are the years that the Royals expected him to not necessarily be the player that they were signing. So uh, from that point, I think it's, it's, it's a concern. It's a huge concern. Like, you know, cause if the contract went the way that the Royals in their most honest state, not what they say in a press conference, but their most honest state, if the contract went the way that they expected, he would have been a good player. Cause it, it's easy to forget. Now he was a, a, a good hitter yeah. and, and a pretty decent fielder his last year in Detroit. So you expect to get 90% of that, if not a hundred and then, you know, maybe 80% of that, if not 90, the second year, but now we're in the part of that contract where, um, you expect him to be kind of, you know, in your term, like a replacement level hitter. So that that's concerning. I, I don't think that guys like, I, I think he's going to turn, um, you know, or he just turned 34. Um, so it, it's, it's hard to imagine. This is not, you know, 2001 anymore where guys magically got healthy and stronger um, as they aged. And I just, I think expecting that or hoping that is a long shot. Yeah. One thing that's interesting about Christian Cologne is obviously there's some question marks with his defense. Um, and, and the Royals are an organization that are, are you know, they don't want to put guys out there that are not going to be kind of plus defenders. It doesn't kind of fit their profile. But if you just look at his pure numbers, offensively, I mean, last year he was actually pretty good. Even in, I mean, he didn't have a lot of at-bats, but his OBP, I think, was around 350 or something a little less than that. I mean, you're talking about um, even if there is a defensive downgrade, the upgrade that you're looking at offensively could be some to the point where at some point they they can't say no to that. Yeah, and, and I guess that's what I, you know, I'm expecting to happen. That- yeah. Infante gets the first two months or whatever, and um, maybe a month and a half. And if he's hitting the way that he was hitting last year, then then you make a move. The the thing about Cologne and scouts say this about a lot of guys, and they're not always right about it. Um, you know, it's obviously like a guessing game, but you know, there there is a little bit of that. They used to say this about Gerard Dyson too, so I'm still do say it about Gerard Dyson. But that that Christian Cologne will wear down. 
yeah. you know, if you play him too much. And I don't know exactly where that comes from. He doesn't, you know, he's not a tall guy, but he's not, you know, he's a he, sturdy player. Um, you know, I think he's competent, but, um, you know, there, there's a lot of teams that they'll be playing and, and trying to beat this year have better second basemen than both Omar Infante and Christian Colon. Yeah, I've, I've got it in front of me right now. So 107 at-bats last year. 290, 356 on base. So, yeah. I mean, obviously, even if he does wear down, um, you know, you, you're looking at an offensive upgrade. Yeah, so that'll play. Yeah. You know, they'd be thrilled. And that came with no power. Yeah. But, um, you know, if, if they could get that over 400 plate appearances, um, 300 plate appearances even, I think they'd be thrilled. Yeah. Because their offense comes from other places, right? I mean, they're not expecting – um, you know, they're, they're not expecting all their production to come out of second base, obviously. Yeah, no doubt. And let's let's just hit on it real quick, because I'm sure people will be interested. Um, Raul Mondesi, he's he's not even 21 until July. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're you're talking about a young 20-year-old. Yeah. Debuted in the World Series, likely headed, um, I would guess, to Omaha to start the year, maybe Northwest Arkansas, uh, depending on what, what they wanted, I guess how the rosters would shake out. Um, any, would you, could you envision any scenario where he's playing second base for the Royals in an extended role at, at any time in 2016? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it, it would include injuries, Yeah, you know, um, or, or include those first two guys, both, not one of them, but both of them just falling off. You know, it would include Omar Infante being as bad or worse than he was last year, and then Christian Colon doing the same. But I, I think the thing about Mondesi, um, you know, he's wildly talented. He's a, a switch hitter with some pop and a lot of speed, uh, can defend. Um, but I, I do think – so anyway, so, so, so you're starting at a point where if you play him at second base, he's not going to hurt you defensively. So that's yeah. a thing, you know, like that, that's a good thing. Um, that, that means that you can at least, if you don't think that if he flounders offensively, that it'll screw with his head or whatever. Um, the fact that he can run and defend, uh, means that he's not going to hurt you too much on, on the big league club, but he is, uh, you know, for all of his talent, um, and, and, you know, I've never seen him play for any, you know, significant point where I can make a judgment, but the people who have, um, say that he will be a good player, but he does have, um, I don't know how to say it. Like he's over aggressive at the plate. Yeah, well, you know? he's, a, um, he's in the royal system, right? Yeah, so he's that's, in, that's he's how not he, unlike Alcides Escobar, the yes, other yeah. shortstop. So yeah. But I, I guess my point is when when you bring up a guy, you might want to you might want to give him some more time yeah. to work on that at a level where he can yes manage the competition. Yeah, if that guy's overly aggressive against Double A pitching, yeah. you know, then then big leaguers are probably going to pick him apart. But. Again, he is wildly talented. Maybe, you know, you challenge him and maybe he lives up to it. But, you know, I, I do think that the most important thing and the reason that I do think that it's a possibility that he plays second base at a, you know, I don't know, relatively frequent clip is that he can he can run and he can defend. Yeah. Okay, let's sort let, of like Bubba Starling. Yeah, let's segue to the outfield then. Yeah. Um, the one other, obviously heading into to opening day against the Mets on April 3rd, the one other position where you might – not exactly know who's going to be starting there, although that you might there are signs is would be right field. Now the Royals have said all off season that Draw Dyson is going to get a chance to get extended time, uh, kind of for the first time. And, and Ned Yost a few weeks ago uh, alluded to the fact that they're 
likely going to start with some platoon in, involving Dyson and Paulo Orlando. Um, but, I mean, these are both guys that, like you said, um, could be exposed in, in, in a more significant or substantial role. So what's uh, – how would you – Similar to second base, how would you handicap this this race in right field or this kind of situation? So I'm actually, um, the more I think about the right field situation, the more I kind of dig it. Um, you know, I, I, it's not going to be a, a huge strength of theirs, obviously, but um, right off the bat, you've improved defensively. Um, right off the bat, you have turned the best outfield defense from last year and, and improved it. Um, you know, that, that assumes, and I think it's a relatively safe bet because, uh, you know, he'll be healthy, but that assumes that Alex Gordon, um, you know, is fully back and everything. But so right off the bat, um, you, you've improved in a pretty major spot. Uh, the, the other thing is, I think that the concern of exposing Gerard Dyson is lessened when you have Paulo Orlando. And, and they've got a, you know, kind of a line of, you know, guys who would be making their debuts but also talented guys who would be making their debuts behind those guys. So, um, you know, if nothing else, sort of like what we're talking about with Mondesi, even though Gerard Dyson is like 10 years older, but, um, you know, if nothing else, uh, Dyson gives you defense. His arm is better than people give it credit for too, I think. Um, But he covers obviously a ton of ground, and if he can get on base, he's a problem. So, you know, I I don't see – what's weird is like I I don't see any way that – the combination of Gerard Dyson, um, that makes it sound too definitive. I think it's a safe bet that the combination of Gerard Dyson and uh, Paulo Orlando give them a significantly, you know, significantly more than what Alex Rios gave them. And just offensively, just offensively. Just that, offensively. Yeah, and, and that doesn't even, because, you know, Rios, he came on a little bit, but if you look, you know, just his overall year totals, like I, I would bet you $50 right now, we can't bet, but if we could, I would bet you $50 right now that, uh, you know, OPS, that, that Dyson and Orlando would be higher than Alex Rios at the end of the year, just, you know, 162. Plus, it's it's you know a step above. It's a grade level above defensively, which I think is really important. You know, with Ian Kennedy and some of these other guys. Yeah, I, I think going off what you said, I mean, expecting that the rest of the lineup is going to more or less duplicate what they did last season, or, or some guys will bounce back, some will regress. But as a whole, you know, the rest of the seven, eight guys in the lineup are going to produce. I think it's, it, it totally makes sense. I was looking at this, and these numbers obviously are always a little bit skewed, especially in small sample sizes and especially with defense. So I'm not even really sure if this is something you want to go off of. But last year, Dyson played in 90 games. You know what his war was in the 90 games and 225 plate appearances? You know, I remember looking at this and being surprised, but go ahead. 2.2. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's that's a big like number. A, a, for that amount of time playing, and I'm, I'm my, my guess is that – the defensive numbers are just really skewed, and he yeah. was a really high-level defensive player on a small sample size. But, I mean, I think he, if he gives you, uh, you know, above-average right field defense to to that degree, yeah. that he could, you could almost argue that if, even if they're just not even an offensive upgrade over Rios, that it's it makes sense. The pair and of them, it, and yeah. Will play. yeah. Yeah, because they, both those guys, and... You know, Dyson's the guy that we talk about as speed, but Orlando can fly as well. And, and you know, I think his speed is more, you know, 
home to third or first to third or whatever, where Dyson's is, you know, stealing second or, you know, bunning and, and, and running down to first. But um, both those guys can cover a ton of ground. And, you know, I, I'd be concerned. I'd be pretty very concerned if it was just Dyson or if it was just Orlando. But I think the combination of them uh, just gives you a little bit of depth that, you know, last year it was kind of like, Alex Rios or nothing, you know, um, they didn't really, they didn't feel comfortable playing those other guys. And, and, and that was a problem. Yeah. One thing to watch there, I think too, is again, it's a small sample. So who knows, this might've just been really fluky last year. Paulo Orlando did sort of have a, a reverse split where he didn't actually hit that well against left-handed pitching hit better against righties that that may not bear out right. um, over the long term. It, pro- it, it probably won't, but I think that is something to watch if he yeah. can handle good left-handed pitching or even just left-handed pitching and give Dyson those days off. Mm-hmm. I think Dyson go just hitting against righties could be a really valuable player if he's playing, yeah. you know, 75% of the time or yeah. whatever whatever that platoon would be. Yep. Um let's segue to a, another question we've been running down as I mentioned earlier kind of on kansascity.com um, and it'll be in the paper on Sunday. So by the time people listen to this, it might be out in print as well. Um, but just sort of the, the bigger questions. In, aside from right field and, and second base, um, the right field position, I think, will also kind of dictate what their bench looks like. Um, obviously, Cologne is probably going to be on the roster in some capacity, whether he's playing every day or not. Um, and then you're going to have a backup catcher, whether that's Drew Batera, or Tony Cruz, uh-huh. um, but I, I'm wondering. In, I think we talked about this a little bit off air earlier this week, but the Royals probably have a, a question to ask themselves: Do they want to play five outfielders and use that fifth or use that last bench spot for a guy like? Heck, I mean, you could even start with Terrence Gore. They did that last year for a little bit and carry him. Since you're playing Dyson every day, you'd also have somebody like a Brett Eidner that could be a backup outfielder you could go for somebody that's maybe adds a little bit more pop mm-hmm. you could also go to Chesler Cuthbert in the infield and, and use him although maybe you want to keep him at Omaha to get more at bats um like how do you how do you see this bench kind of the taking shape because I mean they've got yeah. a lot of fluid pieces and one different thing is they don't have a lot of veteran guys that a lot of guys that are probably well suited to a bench role they have a lot of guys that probably they would like to get more everyday work if they could yeah I mean I like so I think the um the last two I would say bench spots are going to rotate a lot between Kansas City and Omaha um you remember a few years ago uh and I can't remember exactly who who the pitchers were now but um they had like three or four pitchers that were just yeah driving back and forth Tford you know yeah Lewis Coleman yeah (laughs) yeah yeah and I like I don't know how many times those guys went back and forth but it was a ton and, and I could kind of see a similar situation to that this year um, with those last few bench spots. Because, you know, obviously I, Cologne's a big leaguer. Um, uh, and, and then you have a backup catcher. And then I, th- I think Cuthbert is the guy that I think is sort of leading the race or whatever, like uh, amongst those other guys. Um, you know, I think he can play a little bit of shortstop. That that's kind of a hole for them. Like yeah. they don't have anybody that can give Alcides Escobar a day, really, without them having a huge worry. And that's a <laughs> that's a concern that a yeah. lot of big league teams have, and it's also a low level concern. But there's, um, I, I think, like between Cuthbert and uh, I do think Mondesi will be up um, at some point. Bonifacio could be up. 
Uh, you mentioned Eibner, Fuentes could be up. I mean, they've got a lot of guys that, that'll rotate in that last spot, I think. Yeah, and the way they use their bench, I mean, it's sort of a kind of a guys don't even really play. No, you know? right, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like if you, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, is if they, Cuthbert, I mean, perfect bench guy, great talent, mm-hmm. would be great, but it's it's like, do you really want him sitting for three weeks at a time when yeah. he could be at Omaha getting at bats? Exactly, you know? yeah, so that, that like, accentuates that point you made yeah. earlier. But yeah, that, so I think... If if they'll rotate through it for no other reason to make sure that these these guys are are getting work, you mm-hmm. know. Yep. So, but but yeah, it's and I think it'll be be interesting. I, I wouldn't, you know, I I don't know that they would be considered doing this. But if if Dyson is in an everyday role, I mean, even could you carry Gore for extended periods of time and just a strictly a pinch hitting role? I mean, would that even be? Where, I mean, the pinch way running, that's mean. pinch hitting. Did I say pinch hitting? Yeah. Be, like, oh, Terrence Gore, pinch hitting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but I mean, the way they use their bench. I mean, if 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 let's say that they're gonna go, you know, two weeks with with barely, Ned Yost doesn't pinch hit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, they Alcides Escobar and Salvador Perez get a day off. It seems like once a month. Um, so, I mean, it almost feels like they'd if there was a team that could have a guy like Gore on the roster and sustain it without, you know, having any sort of deficiency on the bench. I yeah. feel like they could, they could do that. Maybe, you know, not for months at a time, but I feel like they, they could maybe do it. Although I remember last year they, they he was on the opening day roster and that, that experiment ended in about, yeah. about a week or two. Well, I think what you're doing too, is you're making a case for carrying an extra pitcher as well, yeah. because, um, the the bullpen um, is awesome, but the bullpen has also been overworked, and um, you know that's part of why they signed Ian Kennedy. Um, but they've got whether it's Duffy or Chris Young in the, in the one rotation spot. Um, that's one, uh, and I'm talking about guys that that you can't count on to get into the seventh. Yeah. Um, you know, you're Donovan Shore, you never know what you're going to get. He could be fabulous. He could throw a no-hitter, and nobody would be that surprised. He could also leave in the third, and nobody would be that surprised. Um, um, and so you've got just a, Chris Medlin is coming off, you know, a second Tommy John. Like, I mean, you just have a lot of guys that you're not sure how deep they're going to get. So if, you know, if we're talking about, like, should we carry Terrence Gore, or if you're talking about, like, two other guys that you'd rather have you know, be getting action in Omaha um, or carrying, you know, an extra relief pitcher. If, if it means, you know, Brian Flynn gets a chance or if it means, um, you know, whoever. Like, yeah. I, I just and wonder it, if that, that might be a, a better way to yeah. go to. And, and Tim Collins will be coming off yeah. Tommy John. Yeah, so yeah. he's another guy that you could maybe carry as, you know, you're another lefty in the bullpen that's not going to get a lot of work yep. to start the season. So that might be a way they could carry an extra pitcher. Much in the way they – last year, I think Luke Hochaver was coming off Tommy John. They uh-huh. wanted to carry an extra pitcher sort of to, to – Protection. Give him, yeah, yep. to give him some rope. Yep. Um, all right, let's 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 finish up this kind of first section of this podcast um, and kind of things that could be better in 2016 and things that could be worse. Yeah. Um, let's start with things that could go wrong. Okay. Um, Royals obviously had a lot of things go right last year. They they stayed more or less healthy, um, maybe save for Alex Gordon. Uh, they had guys click, Kendris Morales, Edinson Volquez, Chris Young. All those pieces sort of came together and, and worked. Um, 
what, what's what do you think are the biggest I don't know if holes is the right way or flaws, but what what are the biggest pitfalls or things that could that could trip this team up? All right, so the the first one that comes to my mind, and it's probably obvious, um, but I do think it's and it's also intangible, which kind of sucks. But um, I, I do think that it's the most likely thing. If, if there's one thing that's going to torpedo their season, um, I, I think it's how do you react after you're the champion. And I think it's been since the 2000 Yankees. The Yankees won three in a row, um, 98, 99, 2000, I think. Um, it, it's been that long since a team has repeated. And I think there's something to that. And, um, you know, I just, I wonder, the same concerns existed a year ago after they ended 29 years and went all the way to, the, you know, the World Series and were on the cover of magazines and talk shows and, and all that stuff. So and, and they obviously passed that test with flying colors. But I think it, it's different reacting to winning than it is to reacting to not winning. And uh, I think they're going to be fine. I really do. Um, I, I, partly because of how they reacted last year, partly because um, this is a team that's still they're not a young team. Um, yeah. But they're not yet a, an old team. They're not quite yet an old team. So I, I think that they do have, um, you know, to borrow a phrase, uh, they do have some juice in them that's gonna um, that's gonna sustain that. But uh, who says that? I don't know. I just something <laughs> something I heard in my head. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just if there's one thing, I just think that that would be it. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's really easy, and and not just we've all like done things like much not as cool as winning the world series and you know maybe sort of like that oh that was pretty cool i'm gonna take the day off you know what i mean yeah uh, I, I just think that's completely human nature yeah. and it's so intangible and you know so like there could be something else that goes wrong and you blame it on this like complacency thing so it's it's kind of weird to even bring up but I, I i do think that's a thing i i think that exists yeah do you think this you mentioned their youth they're i mean they're still a relatively young team it seems like they've got the same core back. I mean, is this team suited to to sort of ig- ignore kind of the complacency factor or to I think overcome so. it? I don't know. I feel like, like this conversation is so difficult to have. It is. It's, because it's – who really knows? It's so intangible. Yeah. But, like, you know, even if you forget, like, the repeating as champions, I, I think the Phillies um, who won in 08 – they beat the uh, the Rays, and then they got back in, in 09, I think. I may be off a year. Um, and then they lost the World Series. But that's the last team that's even made it, you know, like won a World Series and then been back to the World Series the next yeah. year. So I, or I when was the last time? I mean, the Yankees probably the last team that's been in a World Series three years in a row. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would think probably that's Probably right. in 99, so, 2000, and 2001. Yeah, I, would, I mean, it, it is such a weird thing because, like, it, we're, we're talking about – you know, absolute and also, yeah. intangible. And, and we're, we're also talking about, it you know, if, if if the Royals win 95 games again and get bounced in the ALDS, I mean, it would be hard to say. Like they really could have been last year, yeah. by the way. Yeah. For, for it, would be hard, it would be hard to be like, you know what? They just didn't have it this year. Right. They just didn't have that grit to win, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mental note to like not be the guy that says that at that point. But um, you know, but like, I, I do think that too, beyond the like, just human nature complacency thing, um, I'm going to segue into another thing that I think could go wrong, um, in 16 is, um, Edison Volquez, like Edison Volquez had basically the year of his career, or at least the best year that he's had in, in a long time. And, you know, he pitched including, and I'm cl- including the playoffs in this, 
because uh, I think this is hugely important. He pitched 30 more innings than he ever has in you know in any year in his career, and he was effective. He was their best starting pitcher, their most consistent starting pitcher. Um, I mean, you remember in the playoffs, he was throwing some of the hardest fastballs he ever had. Yeah, his numbers, not to interrupt, but yeah. his numbers are actually, were actually not that good in the postseason. But I think he might have been their best starter yeah, in the postseason. they didn't have anybody yeah. in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if his, his ERA, he, he got into the sixth a lot of time and got into trouble and gave up some runs. Mm-hmm. But I think he was probably their best overall, their best starting pitcher in the postseason. But go ahead. Yeah, and, and so I, I just think that that's a lot of wear and tear on a guy and you know he's a little bit of a workhorse you know he's into his early 30s uh without looking it up i think he's like 31 32 something like that um and i just i feel like he put so much into that whole deal from from wire to wire from april to october that he's a guy that i just don't expect to be sharp early in the season and if they're being honest i don't think the royals expect him to be you know, at his sharpest earlier in the season. So that's, you know, that's one of those things like he was, he was really, really good for you last year. Um, if, if we're all being honest, he's probably not going to be that good this year. So the difference has to be made up somewhere else. Yeah. Oh, that's a thing that could go wrong. Yeah. What do you got? What could go wrong? Yeah. Well, you know, I was offensively three guys in particular, um, Lorenzo Cain, Mike Moustakis, and Eric Hosmer all had career years last year. Um, Mike Moustakis and Lorenzo Cain had career years by far. Yeah. I mean, if you're just looking at strictly um, OPS plus, yep. to use a stat, Moustakis was at 118 last year. Previous career high was 91. I mean, he'd never yeah. even really been league average OPS. Uh, Cain, really good 2014, batted 300 had the best year of his career, but added an element of power last year. I mean, uh-huh. he was his home runs were triple, triple whatever he had, yeah. doubles career high, best year of his career as well. Um, Hosmer was probably arguably the best year of his career, but not by much. But he's a guy that if you look at his career, strangely, has been really good in odd-numbered years. Yeah. He was good in 2011, good in 2013. Not that good in 12, not very good in 14. Terrible in 12. Yeah. Got and then, Kevin Seitz are fired. Yeah, and, and 14 was, I think he had nine home runs and then got off, got hot in the playoffs. And yeah. So you kind of forget that he wasn't that good that season as well. So I think on some level, you don't need these guys. I mean, these guys are getting to their prime, so you would expect that the, the age curve, the trajectory of them is going to have the least – maintain Mm -hmm. but i I do wonder if if one or two of those guys takes a step back you like you said you need somebody somebody else is going to have to pick up up. the offense because last year they they made a jump i was looking at these numbers earlier today they made a jump from 12th or excuse me ninth in the league in runs scored in 2014 they were sixth last year i think they Uh scored about 70 more runs but they were still Second to last in homers. I yeah. mean, they were, you know, the, all the things that we've talked about. That was even with adding Kendris Morales. Yeah. Who, who I, I mean, think was so, a big I mean, part of that. Monster, yeah, yeah. So, and then, then you've got Morales. So I think they, if you if you got to expect those guys not to regress to at least just, maybe you don't expect Mike Moustakas to be as good this year. I mean, they just, they're going to have to find offense in other places mm-hmm. to sort of replicate the, the yeah. runs scoring they yeah. had last year. I have one more like kind of subtle 
um, thing that could go, and this is, I don't know if it's a thing that could go wrong or whatever, but compared to their team a year ago, um, they have much less sort of uh, trade material. Um, you know, like the, when, when July 31st comes, unless they want to give up Mondesi, unless they make a, a huge change of heart on somebody like Mondesi or, or Zimmer, assuming that he's still healthy or whatever, um, they don't have... You know, they had a depth of pitching last year that they dealt, and, and, and they, they gave it up, you know, and they got Cueto and they got Zobrist. And, you know, we can <laughs> – I can make all the Cueto jokes I want, but, like, you know, would they have won the World Series without those two guys? And, you know, that's a very open question. Yeah. And so, you know, this year when July 31st comes, that's part of why they signed Ian Kennedy as well. Um, it's going to be much, much harder – to if, if there's an obvious hole somewhere, it's going to be much, much harder to fill that this year than it was last year. Can I make a quick Johnny Cueto point? Let's do it. I, I've been, you know, writing these sort of preview <laughs> capsules and sort of looking at the season and looking at this team. And I don't know how, do you characterize Cueto as a loss off yeah, last man. year's team? Or uh, it's so bizarre because on the one hand, he was awful in September and really didn't add anything. I mean, he essentially replaced Jeremy Guthrie to a degree in the starting rotation. Maybe that doesn't fit perfectly, but like you could say he did that, but he wasn't even really much better than Guthrie was last year. In the playoffs, he was also bad half the time, yet he threw a shutout in the World Series. <laughs> he won Game Five of the ALDS. He was um, terrific. Yeah, the only two times they needed him <laughs> yeah, to be it's good. Like, so and it's he like, was terrible yeah. every other time. So there's nobody else yeah. on. There's nobody else on the Royals pitching staff that you would say, "Hey, go into the like." I think this guy could throw a shutout in the World Series. Yeah, like maybe like Jordana Ventura or somebody like that. And we're like, Johnny Cueto did that. Like, yeah, yeah. but. Everything else about him was so mediocre to yeah. to the point of being bad that it's almost it's weird to think about what his loss even means for the Royals. Like, well, yeah, to to the point of like, you know, we look at those two starts in particular, the shutout in the World Series and the Game Five um, against Houston. Um, but going into those games, like, who had confidence, you know, yeah. in him in in either one of those games? And you know, I, I don't know which one would have been worse, but like. Um, you know, I mean, this is a guy who just signed for 130 million dollars, and and the Royals basically were afraid. I don't know if that's the right term, but you know, would not pitch him on the road because they did not think he was mentally strong enough to handle that. Like, so it's a loss, I guess, because of what you're talking about. Like, the thing that matters for the Royals now is the postseason, but um, they're not a worse team at all. Yeah. in the regular season it's, it's you're right it's such but a it weird still thing. feels like as you mentioned they don't have a lot of pieces if they wanted to make a trade mid-season it does it does feel like the one thing that this team could add is a johnny cueto you know like mm-hmm. a, a a rental at the at the deadline yeah. if they're in position to, to go for it again and a it's flaky starting yeah. <laughs> pitcher <laughs> who may who, who will blame his catcher yeah, for not holding the they target need, low you enough. know they need to pick up a flaky guy who may just throw a couple of shutouts in the world series when the perfect time comes so that's ride, why it's right like, horses yeah so it's it is bizarre is there any chance their their late season acquisition could come from within that one yeah. of these one of these prospects we're talking about makes a but i mean when, when have we seen a prospect just who's 
Well, the, been on the verge for a while, just make a huge jump and like, oh yeah, we got to play that guy all the time now. Or, the guy who would be that guy, if I can say that, um, <laughs> would be uh, Mondesi, um, both because he's the most talented guy that they have in their system, and uh, he fits a need. Yeah. So you know, yeah, that that could be, but um, I don't see that happening. No, right, right, right. Starts. And we're talking about the same position that Ben Zobrist filled last year. And, you know, Zobrist was – they expected Zobrist to be good. I I don't think they expected him to be that good. Um, So, you know, they expected to get more out of Cueto, and I don't think they expected to get that much out of Zobrist. But, um, you know, that's the loss when you're doing your capsules. I'm sure that's the thing you're talking about, right? Like, that's the biggest thing. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Sam, do you want to wrap up this first section, and then we'll come back and um, we'll talk about the – We'll break down who the roster headed to surprise Arizona. Let's go. Okay, we'll be back in a minute with part two of the Royals <laughs> Preview Podcast. Uh, this is Sports Beat Casey.